Welcome to the SAMA Podcast, where we talk to the most experienced people in B2B to find answers to one simple question. How can you become and remain essential to your strategic customers? Tune in as our guests reveal what it takes to become the supplier they cannot afford to lose. Learn how to level up your account management strategies to promptly deliver speed, convenience, and success to each customer. Let's jump into the discussion right now with Denise Fryer and Harvey Dunham. So happy new year. I'm honored today to be joined by Jeff Risley, the founder of Sales Health Alliance and the lead researcher on 2022 state of mental health and sales report that he helped author and contributed mightily to. And the topic is on mental health and sales. And I can just say that I've been in and around B2B sales for well over 40 years now. And I've never had this conversation with anyone other than Jeff in our first introductory meeting. So I'm delighted to be able to share this with you. I think this is going to be great information to help sensitize us all to a very important issue and can't wait to get into the details. So Jeff, welcome to the SAMA podcast. Thank you for agreeing to join me today to discuss this topic. Welcome. Harvey, I'm excited to be here. The start of the new year is perfect time to have a conversation like this. So looking forward to diving in and talking everything mental health, mental performance, stress. So thanks for the opportunity. And hopefully this will be helpful to give the community members. I'm sure it will be. Well, we here at SAMA are all about learning and sharing with our community and sharing new insights and best practices. So let's get right into the conversation so we can hear from you because you're the one who's got the insights and you've got the best practices and can't wait to hear. So let's begin at the beginning. When we first met, you told me the story of how you got into this field in the first place and how this topic suddenly captured your attention and you really throwing your whole professional effort into it. So can you just share that story with us again? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you're right. I've kind of, for the last four years, really thrown my, my whole being towards it, if you will. So I started in sales back in 2011. So over a decade ago now, and it was sort of working in the classic boiler room type of sales environment, where I was being measured on whether or not I could make $200 a day, achieve two and a half hours of talk time. If you weren't hitting your metrics, you were let go pretty quickly. So it was very much this sink or swim type of sales environment where, again, if you weren't performing, there were all sorts of different levers that the organization would be pulling. But on the surface, I managed to do really well from an individual contributor level. I went on to win all sorts of cool incentives and be a top performer and go on trips, all the things that we might think about when we think about it, someone that's performing well within sales. But behind the scenes, I was not okay. I had really bad anxiety. I had insomnia. And then I'd also get these really, really nasty panic attacks in the middle of the night. And it was after the third panic attack that put me in the hospital when I realized that this was something else was going on. And this was something I'd never experienced before. So the first thing I did was I went to see my doctor and he prescribed me some anxiety medication, which I tried for two to three months. I really hated how it made me feel. I felt like I lost touch with my intuition and my emotions and the things I was relying on to be a top performer. So I stopped taking the medication because I wanted to get those feelings back. And going to therapy over 10 years ago, was still highly stigmatized. So it wasn't even something that I really considered. And at this moment in my life where I'd found this career really enjoyed, there's so much to love about sales, the learning, the growth, 
the money you can make, the camaraderie within, between teammates. But if I wanted to maintain this career, I need to figure out a way to take better care of my mental health. And that's really when I started to sort of learn everything I possibly could around mental health. How does the brain react to stress? What are sort of the stressors that we kind of face on a daily basis while working in sales? And what are the things we can be doing to take better care of ourselves, to show up more mentally resilient and be a top performer each day without sacrificing our long-term health? And didn't really share anything that I learned over the next couple of years. And fast forward to July of 2018, I just launched my first sales consulting website. And three days after I launched the website, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So life through this crazy, crazy curveball that I wasn't ready for. But it was through that experience when I realized the same strategies I was using to take care of my mental health and sales, I naturally started to execute on during this next stressful period of my life. And the more I started to think about what was going on, the more I realized that, this, that anxiety in sales is, is really not optional. It's part of everyday life. And when teams start to become anxious, depressed, and burnt out, their performance really starts to suffer. So how do we change the narrative on this topic? How do we really start treating salespeople like these corporate athletes and equipping them with different strategies, mindset tools, stress management tactics to help them navigate the pressure that they face on an ongoing basis in a mentally healthy way. And from there, Sales Health Alliance was born and here we are today talking about this important topic. So again, excited to be here. Well, what an inspirational story. Thank you for being so personal and open about discussing it. It's I say it's a topic, I don't understand it in a way, but why is someone like me that's been around this and lived it? I mean, I remember having a little tablet I used to keep next to my bedstead because I'd wake up at three in the morning and I'd have this thought. It's like, oh my God, I've got to do this tomorrow morning. First thing I've got to, what? And I'd write it down so I didn't forget it because sometimes I'd wake up the, the next morning and wake up and I would forget what I had thought of in the middle of the night. And then I had more stress because, of, you know, and totally. it's, geez, it's, that's the job. <laughs> how to manage it, how to balance it. That's really what's hard. And I would say, I think to that point, it's that's where we have this narrative that a lot of sales leaders and salespeople have, where it's, they say, that's the job. It's the job sales, right. you have to be resilient. You have to be like, stress is part of the job. And to that, I always say, well, getting hit in football is part of the job, but we're not sending football players out onto the field without pads and helmets, because we understand that there's physical stress and physical conflict. Why are we not doing the same from a mental health standpoint for salespeople? Right. Interesting. From there, you really went on to do quite a lot of research. Could you share with us sort of the scope of the research that you've done and your findings and anything kind of lessons learned, I guess, for account managers themselves, so just at least to start? I'm just yeah. describing a large area. So no, sure no, no, it's this. okay. So for the last couple of years as part of this, it, like there's so little awareness around the topic of mental health and sales. So... I've been teamed up with Richard Harris from the Harris Consulting Group, as well as Uncrushed, which is another amazing mental health organization. And we've been doing these sort of annual surveys to essentially take snapshots and get a picture of what does the mental health picture look like within sales specifically. So back in 2021, we found that I think it was 58% of salespeople were struggling with their mental health. And then we did the survey again back in May of 2022, thinking that, you know, May of 2021 was probably going to be the worst it would ever be because of the global pandemic and being isolated, all these different factors that were going on. But what we actually found was the report that came out in May of last year, things have now jumped up. Now we found that 63% of salespeople are struggling with their mental health. So more than three in five salespeople are essentially underperforming on an ongoing basis. And then when we started to sort of pull this data apart and look specifically at things like account managers, 
we found that account managers, 59% were struggling. When we looked at frontline sales managers, that was a little lower, it was 46%. And then when we looked specifically at sort of sales executives, so sort of those CROs and VPs of sales responsible for strategy, we found that 60% were struggling with their mental health. So there's all of these huge blind spots that's happening within the sales industry where it's not isolated towards a specific type of sales role. It's not isolated to leaders or individual contributors. It's such a widespread problem that's not being discussed, not being addressed, that these types of data and this types of finding is really, really critical to helping us as a community and as a sales industry move closer towards that thing that we all desire, which is optimal performance and taking care of our people and taking care of our customers. When into the research, were you surprised at what you learned? Did you kind of think that that was what it was or was it really kind of a jaw-dropping experience that it's like, it's even bigger than I thought it was? Yeah, I've been doing it for the last three or four years now and it's consistently increasing every single year. So I don't think I was surprised when I first started. When I first started, we were at sort of 43% of salespeople were struggling with their mental health and now we're at 63%. So I think I've definitely been surprised at how that jump has taken place to how widespread it is now. And when I started to think about it, when I'm like, okay, what, what's going on here? It wasn't as surprising because if you kind of know anything about sort of mental health or mental resilience, or if you think about the people who essentially thrived or managed things like the global pandemic effectively, they were the ones that had a really good toolkit or had already been doing the work before that sort of happened. And that's what we forget, mental health and resilience and stress management, it's built during the good times so that we can depend on it during the bad times. And the vast majority of us inside sales and outside sales hadn't put that work into build that toolkit beforehand. And we're now seeing the result of that as we kind of move forward. These external stressors are only going to continue with the global layoffs, with all of these disruptive technologies, taking people's jobs, environmental stressors, in this place of constant change and unpredictability that this really has to be a focus for teams and individuals going forward if they hope to be truly adaptable and resilient, what we're encountering going forward. You know, what the huge change took place, as you know, and everybody that's listening would know that in 2020, where the sellers stopped being able to see their clients in person and went to virtual, mm-hmm. and, which still continues on today. In the back of my mind, I thought, wow, if you don't have to do the planes, trains, and automobiles thing every week, every day, you know, when you're out and about, especially if you're outside sales, I thought things might be getting better. I certainly enjoyed not having the pressure of the commute, but then the pressure of being on Zoom after Zoom after Zoom, whether it was internal or external. And at the end of the day, uh, being on Zoom calls all day, I was wiped out. Yeah. Just, just, I had nothing. I felt like an ash at the end of the day sometimes. Yeah. And so yeah. I would say to your point, and it's like someone like myself or people that have already had that experience working from home, I did really well. Like a lot of my friends that had been working from home had already learned how to work this way. And We've essentially had over a century, a hundred years of learning how to work in the office. Right. And we all of a sudden overnight had to learn how to work from home, which is totally different. And now what we're seeing is organizations trying to move back to an office or hybrid, which again is a massive external stressor and piece of change that a lot of us are struggling to go through. Right. Fascinating topic. And I mean, the fact that I actually got somebody I can talk to about it is Mm -hmm. amazing. I want to get back to something you said. You found that 
people that were, let's say, it, dealing with the larger accounts, for us, it would be the strategic account managers and their bosses dealing with your company's largest and most important customers. Mm-hmm. They actually had about the same stress level as the top 60% level. Do you have a thought about why that is? I mean, it's... Yeah, so the captured data on over 700 people. So it's a really solid sample size of data. And I think what you're seeing there is you're seeing sort of the impact around layoffs, where you have sort of the C-suite executives that are experiencing that burden and that stressor of having to lay off people or change their strategies or having to report to investors and report to the board about what the hell is going on? Why are things not working? And then you also have these sort of individual contributors or strategic account executives that are more on the front lines, client facing, who are all of a sudden dealing with budgets getting cut from their clients and having to navigate that, not having things like quota relief come into play to really set realistic expectations that this is a different time period. But three, you also have that fear of reading the news every single day and layoffs happening left, right, and center and thinking, well, is that going to happen to me if I don't make my numbers? So you have stress being applied, but you have it being applied in two different external stressors to two different groups of people, essentially. Interesting. Internal and external. Internal and external, for sure. Yeah. Well, and then I was just thinking about the global supply chain. If that wasn't bad enough, about a year ago where the global supply chain thing blew up and it's like, and by the way, we can't make our product and ship it to you right now. Like we promised that we would Mm -hmm. because we can't get the materials. Yeah. And I've had those conversations before. That is typically not a nice conversation to have with a customer. Yeah, definitely not. Especially when you committed to something and they're excited about it. It's not a good one to have. I think the last thing I'll add here as well is if you think about Because again, hybrid work kind of started around May, June, when the survey was starting to kick off. And if you think about what happened pre-pandemic, we had this change to working from home and we were dealing with all these difficult emotions of loneliness, feeling disconnected, maybe feeling anxious or afraid. But we were doing that in the comfort of our homes, surrounded by people that we trust, like our friends, our family, our significant others, our kids. And we had an outlet to talk about this stuff with people we cared about. Now, that same switch back is now we're going back to the office. We're meeting people who we've only ever interacted with via Zoom or virtually or remotely. And we're having these same uncomfortable emotions of trying to get back into what this new normal looks like. But we're doing it surrounded by total strangers at an organization that's never invested into mental health or mental performance or stress management training. And you have these motions internally being like, I'm just so overwhelmed and anxious right now, but I don't feel comfortable speaking to my boss or speaking to my peer about this. And that sort of began, I think, fueling that raise or rise in sort of 63% number that I talked about. Did you see a difference between females that are involved in the profession versus males? So we looked at gender and it was based on this data. It was roughly the same. But again, I think I don't have data on this, but I think if you were to sort of look at what was contributing to those same numbers, I think that would probably be different. And you're talking 60% of 700 people in the same. 63%. Yeah. Yeah. 62%. Yeah. Thank you for (laughs) being well over half. 
Yes, well over half. I'm just curious. It wasn't like if you separated it out by company, it wasn't like there were some companies was like, oh, wow, yeah, it's not a problem whatsoever. And then the others were at 100% and it somehow averaged out to 62. Yeah, so it wasn't based on companies. It was, or like the distribution wasn't happening that way. We focused more on looking at sort of residual job types. So let's have sort of the, the nice breakdown between account executives or account managers or SDRs and BDRs. So that's where we focused. Nice. So... As I understand it, you're now working regularly with companies that want to address this issue and proactively address it. And I can imagine that this great resignation last year and some of those things have probably brought this up to some executives' point of view and say, my gosh, we've got to do something about this. This We're losing the people that are helping us sell our mm-hmm. products. Can you describe how you typically engage with the client when they surface a need and what kind of advice and help can you give them? Yeah. So usually because this is such a new topic for most organizations, usually it's, I start with like a kickoff session. So it's a one hour session really focused around looking at some of this data, understanding why mental health and sales is important to mental performance and how it's going to drive better revenue. But then I also use this opportunity to allow people to submit questions ahead of time, anonymous questions. So we can kind of really get practical strategies and tools into the hands of individual sellers and leaders. So these might be questions like, how do I remain motivated throughout the day? Or what's the best way to navigate rejection? Or my quota was just reset and I'm feeling totally overwhelmed. How do I approach this situation? That first session is really about one, awareness building, to aligning the organization from top to bottom on why this topic is important to performance and three, getting some practical tools into the hands of sellers. And then from there, usually the next step really looks at bringing in more data, doing more of a diagnostics. I have a data partner that I work with and we essentially get a, a really not complex, but a simple survey out, but provides a lot of really interesting data points to advise future ongoing programs and consulting with the team, which involves one-on-one manager coaching, more team-based sessions, so that we're using this data to really guide future sessions to make sure that we are tackling the different trigger points, which most organizations have no idea. I was going to ask us to say, are your typical clients surprised at the results and how pervasive the issue is? What do you find when yeah. you just generally? Yeah. So initially with that initial diagnostics that we do, and when we start bringing in data, the word I keep hearing is it's very cathartic where you see that you go through the data with an executive or with a manager and you see why performance is being impacted, not only at an individual, but also at a company level. And all of a sudden they all say, I know why that's happening. Here's more context. There's a lot of red tape and my team has a lot of admin tasks taking them away from revenue generating opportunities, or we just had to lay off our team. So I can tell a lot of my team is feeling stressed because we haven't provided additional support to those people that are still here who have increased workload. So it's really interesting having data like this because it validates a lot of what people are feeling to then see how big the issue actually is. As a very poor researcher, I've only got one question that I ask salespeople, and I try to ask it whenever I get the opportunity. Who's your toughest customer? Your external customer, your actual customer, or your internal customer, the people that you work with to try and help the external customer get what they need? 100% say the internal customers. Yeah. Toughest. Yeah. Does that come out in some fashion as an insight from the work that you do? Totally. Happens all the time. 
And there's so much research on even outside of sales shows that bad is stronger than good. So what I mean by that is having the presence of blockers or bad things is going to always outweigh positive. So a good example of this is if someone is in a challenging relationship, if both people in that relationship start to add good behaviors, but maintain the bad things, the bad will always be stronger than good. If someone is trying to get healthier by going to the gym every day, but they're smoking a pack of cigarettes every day simultaneously, that is going to be stronger than that person going to the gym. And same thing applies to internal politics and red tape and processes. If those blockers are still in place, you can do things like invest in the mental health training for your team. But until you're resolving the things that are impacting the psychological safety of, of the individuals and the team on an ongoing basis, it's going to have limited results. Interesting. As a manager, there were certainly times where I had to orchestrate a riff, a reduction in force. Hmm. Not a pleasant thing to have to do. And I used to worry about the people that left. And because often they were people that I knew that I'd worked with for years and years and years. And it's a tough thing to do, generally speaking. And I was worried about the people. It took me some years to figure out the people I should really be working about are the people that are left behind. Mm -hmm. Because that work doesn't go away. It has to be done by someone. And now the team, the smaller team, has to take on more. It took me some time to get that straight in my head and say, I need to worry about who's left, including me. Mm -hmm. The big word I use to describe that is when you lay off people and you don't account for that added workload and that added stress, you're, you essentially have a more fragile team and workforce because that stress and that daily things that they had to do, accountability, it didn't go anywhere. They just have more of it. And I don't know a single organization that's laid off a couple hundred people. You're not hearing articles being written, being like, oh, we've laid off a couple hundred people. Here are all the great benefits that they're having. Two, here's all the investments that we are making into the people that are still here to ensure that they can thrive with this added workload. That's just not happening. No, I was going to say, that would be new news for me. Never heard it. Yeah. Interesting. So thinking about a strategic account manager, and let me give you an example. I literally had this example. I heard about this yesterday where a colleague of mine was speaking to his former company where he worked as a strategic account manager and a SAM program leader. And he just learned that one of his colleagues that was still working for his company left. And this gentleman happened to be a top performer, if not the top performer at this large global company and handled one of the biggest of customers. Somewhat out of the blue in his mid-50s, he walked in a few days ago and said, I'm done and walked out. And it I'm sure that was a bad day for the company and for the leader and all those things, because these are not easy people to replace. And there's these huge accounts. It's like, what happened? <laughs> got to mm. explain it to the customer. You've got to explain it to the team. You've got to figure out why. And that's what you want to avoid, right? Is have the person get to the point where it's just gotten so bad, I've just got to leave. So yeah. what advice would you give the SAM leader to try and head that off and lance the boil before it bursts, so to speak? Mm-hmm. So lots of things that you can be doing. I think in that case, it's called fight or flight for a reason. And when stress is unmitigated for long periods of time, you initially want to fight, but stress is a quick response. And it's a quick response that you can't control when it gets to a certain point. So you flight, aka you quit an organization and you leave and you don't care what happens. It's just 
I'm done. For my best interest, I have to leave. So there's lots of things that you can do sort of manage that from an organizational level. It's teaching individuals how to add stress and offload stress in equal parts within a 24-hour cycle. That's really important rather than saying, let's grind for six months and try and offload it all at once during a two-week vacation. That's really ineffective. So each day when you are adding stress to your day, how are you offloading it at the end of every day? So the basic things that you can be doing is doing things like going back to the basics, getting proper sleep, eating right, exercise, having fun. You can't stress and have fun at the same time. So revisiting hobbies or things that you do to that you really enjoy is like an off switch for that stress response, which is really important that not a lot of adults spend time doing enough on a daily basis. So that's one aspect. I think the other aspect as well, that's really important is really looking at how do you make work more meaningful? And the reason behind this is, is when we're emotionally connected to our work and what we're working on each and every day, and we see progress being made and work is meaningful, it's more likely to have that internal dialogue with ourselves to say, yeah, this is really hard, but it's worth it because this is so important to me. So getting back into that servant mindset of genuinely wanting to essentially improve the lives of others, really, really, really important thing to do that not enough organizations focus on on an ongoing basis. Wow, that's very powerful. I mean, it's especially powerful for us because we talk all the time with strategic account managers. It's like, you're not the hero of the story. Your customer needs to be the hero of the story. You need to help your customer become a better business. Mm -hmm. And really, that's the buzz that you get from being a strategic account manager. You're working with these major companies and really complex, often very well-known household name type of companies and helping them become a better company in some fashion, whether it's in a somewhat small niche way or a rather large way, it doesn't matter. They're the heroes of the story, but you're the person that helped them get out of a bind and rise above that so that they could become even better than they were before. And that's what I love about sales. I think that's what really attracted me to the, to the role is every single day, salespeople get an opportunity to make like a truly meaningful difference in the lives of someone else. Like you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be like an environmentalist. You don't have to have these careers that are viewed as meaningful with the right mindset and with the right approach. Salespeople can make a difference and truly help people every single day when they're focused on the right things. And the problem with that is when we don't take care of ourselves and we aren't focused on, like I said, adding and offloading stress in equal parts, the part of our brain that's responsible for empathy and serving and giving, it's going offline and it only starts to focus on how do we protect and how do we serve ourselves? And that's where that commission breath starts to come out. That's when that sort of envy between reps starts to come out. It's when all of these nasty things start to take over and there's nothing we can do about it until we get back to the basics, which is improving how we're showing up and how we're thinking each and every day. Sort of like you're falling down, sort of mixing metaphors a little bit, but you're falling down, plummeting down Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's yeah. you're just getting down to survival. It's like if, if you don't address it at the higher level, at some point in time, you're just trying to survive. And at some point, you just like you choose flight. I can see it. Yeah. And to your point, like I think every sort of individual really needs more support, whether that's sales is structured to be create an environment that feels unsafe with the way targets are structured with individuals competing against each other 
And that's a really, really hard environment to thrive in when you're worried about sort of job security, you're worried about how you're going to pay your bills. You don't necessarily know how to protect your self-esteem after a few bad meetings or a couple setbacks. So it's very tough to answer your initial question of what can sales leaders and individuals be doing? It's not like, here are the top three things you can be doing today. It's each individual is going to be a little different. Each organization is going to be a little different. So it all starts with getting back to the basics and bringing data into the conversation and just starting, like just starting to have the conversation is important. And that's part of the reason why I wrote a book called Stress Less, Sell More is to really focus on giving 220 different ways that leaders and reps can start bringing this conversation, having this conversation on a daily basis with themselves and with their organization and together as a team. Wow, nice. I might want to read that book. How do I get my hands on it? Yeah, well, it's so February 1st, so you can get it off Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Chapters Indigo. It's wherever you buy your books, so it'll be there. Stress less, sell more. Yeah, nice and punchy, so it's easy to remember. I was going to say, even I can remember that. That's hard to believe for an old guy like me. That's <laughs> amazing. Well, Jeff, this has been fascinating, and I've learned a lot in this conversation and wish we had more time to talk about it, but all good things must come to an end, so... Thanks so much for bringing your findings to us and sharing this forbidden topic, getting it out in the open Mm -hmm. and basically taking it out of the darkness and putting it into the light. This is fantastic. You've done our community a great service and please let us know if there's anything we can do to help you. Yeah. I mean, again, grateful for the opportunity and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or check out saleshealthalliance.com. And if you're interested in picking up the book, that would be amazing. It's written for individuals, but also for teams to go through together to help normalize this conversation a little bit more. But again, thanks, Harvey. I'm so happy I was able to be a guest and and share a little bit of information that I know about this stuff. Amazing. Thanks so much. Goodbye.